Coming to you from the Big Island of Hawaii, it's the Songs and Stories Podcast. And now, here's your host, Steve Roby. Aloha, and thanks for joining me for another Songs and Stories Podcast. This is an interview I conducted with award-winning pianist Alpin Hong at the Kahilu Theater right after he finished an uh, educational uh, program for local school kids that was live-streamed. And you'll get to hear an excerpt from that concert right after this interview. I hope you enjoy it. You mentioned today in your concert that you have a background in martial arts. Yes. And I was curious, uh, at some point did that cross over? Does that still stay with you? I'm sure you still practice it. Uh, how do music and martial arts combine for you? Yes, that's a great question because people wouldn't think necessarily that they might uh, overlap in some ways. But the comparison I, I make between uh, being a live performing musician and a martial artist is that they are both art forms about physical training taken to a transcendental degree. Mm. That's the aim in both martial arts and music, to go beyond the technique to hopefully a higher order of consciousness. Mm. Now, of course, I don't actively do it competitively anymore because there's something about hitting wood with your fist that uh, is not great yeah. for playing Chopin. So I don't do that anymore, but I have that passed that on to my kids oh. and they're taking Taekwondo as we speak. Interesting, interesting. I'm just curious too, also, um, somebody that may know you, but may be surprised if they looked at your playlist, <laughs> yeah. a band or a musician that uh, would like go, I didn't know we listened to that. Well, um, this is a two-part question, of course, okay. because you know when you become a parent, your playlist becomes what your kids listen to, <laughs> right? And so I never thought, of course, that my death metal, Slipknot, Metallica, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, Chronic oh. 2001 playlist would turn into Baby Shark, do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> But I am sad to say that there are songs like that. I, I never would have thought in high school or college that um, any member of One Direction would be in my playlist. So, uh, but they are there. There is Justin Bieber. There is Christina Aguilera. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I know. I, I have to apologize for that. <laughs> But yes, I think people would be surprised to see that that comes up. I am also surprised am that surprised it's there. Too. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get on more of a serious note here. Yeah. But we're entering almost the second year of the pandemic. Yes. And it's been a huge challenge for musicians. I've interviewed uh, over the past couple of years. You know, what's it like for you? Can you respond to that? What's it like for you? Have you been able to still move forward with your music and hopefully maybe this year plan a uh, tour? You are correct. They're the only word that applies is historic. Um, I was a history major, uh, along with my pre-med studies at UCLA. And the perspective I got is there are certain turning points in history that have reverberations for human society. And this is definitely one of them. Um, even world wars didn't stop the Olympics or Broadway. Mm. And it has shut down what I believe to be the lifeblood of human interaction, of face-to-face -face interaction one right. another. Right. It's those connections that allow us to have conversations with people that disagree with us. Mm. And I would say that the loss of the performing arts and social spaces like churches, like performing arts centers, like restaurants, mm. have taken, us, taken away from us the ability for us to uh, get to know one another. Mm -hmm. And that is devastating, it devastating. Is. Um, there are kids that 
have never seen their classmates' faces in school, and to have to learn how to communicate with each other without anything through the eyes. Now, we've always said that the eyes are the windows to the soul, but the windows are not a house. Like, yeah. you know, it, you need the full complement of facial expression. So um, it has been nothing short of devastating. I would be, I would be underplaying if I said like that. Mm -hmm. And my perspective on it is that I have seen the range of the way that institutions have responded mm -hmm. from the major symphonies to opera houses to uh, institutions like the Kihu Theater in schools. And what I have found is that I feel like it's the reset button that needed to happen. I know it's harsh to say that, but it's kind of one of the things that needed to happen to show, well, uh, you know, the changes that perhaps might have needed to take 10 or 20 years, they've had to make them in two. Mm. Like, have they invested in their audiences enough that they were able to keep them? through the pandemic online? Were they able to produce content that reflects that the way that most people are taking their entertainment now, uh, online, on the internet, through YouTube, on the screen? And, but this is not to say that, of course, like I said in the show, uh, that live performance does not have a place. We actually have to find a way to adapt. And we pray, of course, mm -hmm. that we will get past this and come back because I think that it is irreplaceable. Absolutely. There's no way that you can Couldn't replace uh, that in-person performance of watching the performer do the tightrope act without a safety net in front of you live and the impact that it can have in you. Um, I've heard a great analogy that uh, paintings and sculptures are how we decorate space and music is how we decorate time, right? And Recordings, of course, are still images, but the live performances and the memories that we ha have are the things that change and mold and are able to still influence us many years later. So it is, I've had to adapt my own per per personal performance and education programs to be able to, as I did today, mm -hmm. do it through the screen, through the unforgiving lens of the camera, which is a terrible audience member. They never clap for you, uh, they don't breathe, and it's very hard to see on their face whether they're smiling or not, right? So I have to assume that the students enjoyed my performance today and that my audience will later today, and that is difficult, but uh, again, the experience of having live performances and audiences for many years uh, hopefully allow me to adapt and adjust from now on. Absolutely. But I hope we don't have to do it for too much longer. Uh, it feels like maybe we're getting things are changing. Well, fingers Let's, crossed. Let right? us hope. In your observation of uh, how has classical music's cultural landscape shifted? Well, what I think has been a long time in coming has been very necessary is uh, the changes that have been having across almost every institution, educational institution and otherwise, and through academics, is uh, diversity and inclusion, right? Where um, classical music has long been, you know, uh, a bunch of old, dead European white guys, you know, and their compositions. And it's not to say that, obviously, that tradition is not perhaps the core of what a lot of us, a lot of the classical musicianship and the training comes from. But I think that once you have achieved a certain amount of technical proficiency, to understand, uh, let me use this kind of record store analogy, which because there are no record stores anymore, right? Uh, I remember uh, Tower Records and Virgin Megastore. They used to have jazz, pop, classical, 
world music? And I was like, world music? What is world music? Any music that's not from America? That's a yeah. huge thing yeah. to lump in. Like, you know, it's like, oh, so Cuban music is world music, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So even though it's in the Americas. And I think that taking down those barriers of what is classical music? What is jazz music? What is, uh, and I think, for example, things like uh, Hamilton, which I think kind of turned Broadway on its head to say, what is a musical? The fact that you can have hip hop and rap mm. as being a legitimate form of Broadway mm -hmm. um, outside of, say, Stevens Hanheim and, and Tin right. Pan Alley and the things that it kind of grew out of in New York City. Um, and classical musicians, what I think is very healthy, it is a very difficult transition to do, but they are now working on living composers mm. and, and female composers, which is, I think is a great focus because finally, finally you yeah. would think, you know, uh, but as I said, you know, history moves slowly, you know, uh, women in the U.S. didn't get the vote until shockingly recently. And so, uh, but I hope that, like I said, that the arc bends towards uh, more inclusion of different types of music. I think it's what we need need to stay fresh and healthy and to inspire the young people and composers of the future to draw from a wider palette of colors and emotions. Yeah. Just a quick side note. Yeah. I grew up in San Francisco. Yeah. And the Tower Records yeah. with the rock and jazz and all the other stuff was yeah. nice. But you had to go across the street to get classical. Right. Yeah. 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 Now we're going to go to the, you know, here's the stadium. We're going to go to the museum across the street. <laughs> you know. Those people. Yeah. Those people. The weird people. Yeah. Talk about your uh, approach to arts and education for students. You did a wonderful job today. Thank you. Uh, even though there was no kids here screaming, that they usually are for the, these type of performances. But yeah. You just just nailed it. You know. Thank you. It was fun to watch. You. Well, um, I, I tell people I, I'm a kid at heart. You know, I am a I am a comic book nerd. <laughs> I am a gamer geek. Um, I probably should have spent more time you know, on the list B minor sonata as I did playing League of Legends and, and Halo. But that is, I think that the fact that I still enjoy those things and I have children now that enjoy those things. I think it's actually very important um, in classical music, communicating and understanding your audience I think is central to any live performance, of course. And when I'm playing for kids, I have to understand, well, A, what is their attention span? These days it's... So um, I have to kind of make myself into a cartoon character <laughs> a little bit in a way that I may not be this afternoon in the adults concert. Um, but I think that it's important to start from the music that they know. Uh, the formula that I've always used is that if I can get them to laugh either at something or at me, somewhere inside I have their respect. And once I have their respect, I can teach them anything. Mm. And that's the formula that I use in the concert to show, number one, I have to show that I'm a badass somewhere, right? They have, to, I have to, you know, they have to trust that I know what I'm talking about, but they have to understand that too, that I'm not so completely on an ivory tower and that I do understand the stuff that they love. And I can use that music, for example, to uh, introduce Beethoven that there would be no Darth Vader without mm, Beethoven. Right. You know, there is no Mario you know, without Scott Joplin, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I think making those connections and those parallels uh, makes it relatable. And so I can really go into more profound and more technical lessons with them if I kind of, instead of giving it to them on a silver platter, is to give them through maybe through a controller. Yeah. What was it like playing on the uh, theater's uh, Steinway piano? It was it seven, seven foot? Uh, nine. Nine foot. Oh, yeah, nine this foot. is a full Rolls Royce 
Titanic Steinway D. Um, this piano. I was just telling Darby, the technician, this is the top, probably one of the top five pianos I played on in the world in 20 years. Really? I equate it to the, the piano that I played at Carnegie and the piano I played at Disney Hall, and it's eons better than the piano that is at the White House. Eons. Well, that piano is about, I think, 150 years old. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really ancient, that piano, and it's covered in gold leaf. It's, uh, okay. you know, it, for the, 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 it's for show. It's for show. Um, but yeah, it is absolutely pristine, and uh, the best short way I can talk about it is that it's the kind of instrument that makes me a better pianist when I play on it. It's difficult these days to make plans for the future. Yeah. Um, but do you have any personal career plans this year or uh, beyond? Yes. Uh, again, this is related to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And for the last two years, I have been a homeschool teacher <laughs> and a cook and um, you know, a homemaker in a way that I was never trained to be or never expected to be. Mm. And what I've taken from that amazing and very, very rewarding experience is to think about, well, I've always thought about my life as only in terms of me being a concert pianist as, and as a traveling artist as my core identity. And this forced me to think, well, what else can I be? And so just last week, I taught my first class as a music substitute teacher in one of the schools of Oahu. And I was playing for a choir and, uh, and, and teaching them. And as, as you can see, I've always loved arts education. I think it's central to a well-rounded education. I do like the acronym STEAM uh, that includes the arts as part of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, and so uh, perhaps I think maybe I'm ready uh, to incorporate that as maybe a core part of my employment, is mm. perhaps to, uh, to apply for a job somewhere and see what I can do to not only influence a community where I am a few days at a time, but maybe over years at a time. You do it so well. <laughs> Thanks. I hope so. <laughs> I noticed on your website you have several CDs available yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, where is the best place to find your music? Are you on social media platforms? Yes. Well, probably the easiest way where they're all there is, uh -huh. is literally alpenhong.com. Okay. It doesn't get easier than that if you know my name and you can put .com after it. <laughs> there's all my music. Uh, it's, of course, uh, uh, available on iTunes, and you can stream me at, at Spotify. And uh, that's where you can kind of get, you can download the music through all the major streaming sites. So it's not hard to find. If you can, get, if you can spell my name right, you can find it. A-L-P-I-N, like Alpine without the E, Kong. Okay. All right. Before I let you go, is there yeah. anything else you'd like to add? I just wanted to express my absolute gratitude to the Kahilu Theater, kahilu.tv, uh, and the community here on the Big Island that has managed to traverse this incredibly challenging time and to do it with such love. Uh, for the arts and for its audience. I'd like to thank all the educational institutions who have made uh, the artistic offerings at the Kahilu Theater a part of their educational outreach um, and their curriculum. And I truly cannot wait for the day where Steve and I can speak to you in person, in front of you, and then I can play for you in person. So uh, I want you all to stay healthy until that day. Um, you know, love one another, uh, as, as the Bible says, and hopefully we'll see you in person again soon. Thank you, Steve. Alvin, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. And to our viewers, if you haven't done so already, search out his concert uh, and uh, watch it on Kahilu TV. And thanks for watching Kahilu TV and supporting this great theater. 
Thank you again. Mahalo. Aloha. Like what you've heard so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks for your support. Now, back to the show. To finish up for my cadence, I would like to play for a piece that kind of puts together all the things I've been talking about today. Harmony and rhythm. And to show you my life story in music from childhood to now. And I hope you enjoy it. This piece is based on a piano piece called Malagueña. This is by a composer named Ernesto Lecuona, and it was originally written for flamenco guitar. So you hear some kind of guitar strumming in it. But this is Malagueña in the style of Alpenhong. I hope you enjoy it.
Thanks for listening to the Songs and Stories podcast. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. We'll see you next week on Songs and Stories. Aloha. Aloha.